Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, for your long overdue favorite podcast that is on every Wednesday. We're your hosts of this. I almost call this the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Wow, what a brain. brain That's got to be trademarked. Stop saying their name, man. We're going to have to pay royalties. Sorry. Uh, Welcome back to Teen It Up with CNV. I'm your host, Connor, as always, with the other end of the podcast. Vladdy, how you doing, man? I'm sorry I hit my head yesterday. Maybe I'm a bit concussed. (laughs) I'm doing well. Um, We kind of had last week off uh, the typical no sports to talk about. So there wasn't really much to do. So instead of ranting and doing nothing, we took took a week off, kind of enjoyed our time. I went to watch Oppenheimer. Good movie. Maybe a little overrated from what people are talking about it. Um, But other than that, uh, the last kind of day and a half for me has just been getting doing a bunch of chores around the house, getting it ready for when my parents come home on Saturday, because if they come home and the house is not spick and span clean, they're going to kill me, even though I'm not even going to be at home. So just kind of getting ready to not get killed, you know? How about yourself? Yeah, uh, I've been all right. I've uh, been fighting something for the last couple of days. I've uh, been fighting a bit of uh, Royal Oak flu as well. Um on top of being kind of sick, it hasn't been the best combo. Um, got home today to see my parents, though. Picked my classes today, which Wayne State is the most ridiculous, like, just ridiculous school ever. That's all I'm going to say before I get myself in too much trouble. Is I went on uh, for the law school. The classes open at 7 a.m. I had uh, I, I, ha- I was already going to si- be signed up for one class. The other four, I had ready to go what I was going to take. And at 7.06, two of those four were uh, already taken. All the max seats were taken. Um, so I didn't get to take two of the four classes because I, I had to do it on my phone. And I was apparently six minutes late. Uh, I had a friend who texted me at 9.30 being like, there's no way all four of my classes I'm supposed to take are full already. Um, I feel bad. I don't think I think it ended up working out somewhat okay. But anyways, that's my rant on picking classes. It's why you I've always I guess I always thought it was weird at MSU and Albion too, the two undergrad schools I went to that you picked your classes many months in advance. Uh and I'm not sure if this is just a Wayne Law thing or just a Wayne State thing. Um Wayne State I started classes in 28 days and I picked my classes today. It's like kind of unheard of where like MSU, you MSU, you picked the whole year. Pretty. Uh, if I remember with MSU, yeah, it was something like that. And you did it the semester before you did it in your spring semester for the next year. Right. Going. It, well, it wasn't even summer, if I remember correctly. Yeah. 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 You did it in like what I think like March or April. Of yep, your that sounds about right. Senior year of the, the year prior. Uh, so I don't know. So organizational issues in my life as I kind of start to transition out of the nine to five life that I've been in this summer. Um, but I'm going on vacation starting tomorrow. Um, you'll be there. Uh, so it'll be a good time. Uh, so always love a vacay. Oh, we love it. We're going we're gonna to go win the Spartan Invitational. Yeah. So for those that don't know the Spartan Invitational, uh, Vladdy and I are partners. So we're going to have probably a lot to talk about next week. I won't go too far into it right now. Um, but we'll have a lot to talk about next week once we win that trophy. Um, moving speaking, on to this, go ahead. I was gonna say, speaking of golf, do you want to start right in with the open? We didn't really get to recap it last week, and to be completely honest, it was from a season of, or I guess from a calendar year of pretty boring <laughs> majors. This was kind of the, the cake of boring majors. 
Yeah, I don't know if you can hear the snoring noises I'm making or the people I listening can. Uh, I'm trying to make snoring noises, but my, my head cold is not allowing it to, to actually sound like a real snore. I'll probably be saved when I actually fall asleep. Um, but yeah, this was a boring major, a boring way to end the year. It was raining. We had a guy who isn't complete, like a weird kind of not completely irrelevant guy, but a uh, an American somewhat off the board come in and just kind of never really had it, any doubts that he was going to win from the time he teed off on Saturday morning. Uh, and it kind of stayed, I think it got to as low as three, maybe at first or second hole stayed at five strokes for the majority of it. And it was really just a major with zero zip on a day when really outside of Harmon, the, the big names had their day. You had Rory kind of climb up the board at the end. You had John Rahm make a huge run on Saturday. I think he shot a 62 or 63 on Saturday. Uh, and then you had uh, a guy, a British guy, and Tommy Fleetwood, who was in the last pairing on the last day, uh, completely choke. And I believe he got a triple on 17, and that was all she wrote. Uh, I, I talked, we kind of talked about all four majors not really having the, the buzz. Uh, this one kind of lacked them all. This one, I think it gradually got worse as the four majors went on this year, as far as uh, down the stretch drama. Yeah, I I completely, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, kudos to Brian Harmon. I mean, we say this in a bad way for interesting and for what to talk about, but he played out of his mind. He played lights out. Like you said, I think he, I think if I remember correctly, he bogeyed number one on Saturday and I told myself good because maybe he'll come back down to earth and there'll be like, there'll be some people in contention on Sunday. Nope. He locked right back in and never looked looked back again. It was great performance for him. Um, kind of turns the golf world to the upcoming Ryder Cup. Uh, what yeah. what is that? Middle at middle of September. Late September. Late September, and then it's in Italy, correct? Correct. Right. That'll be fun. Um, I mean, I guess biggest really storyline there is what's going to happen with the live golfers, specifically Brooks Kepka, because he's. He he's obviously been the live golfer who's kind of still. I'm not gonna say still because. Each guy has kind of had a day or a tournament where they've in a major where they've kind of shown that they could still hang, but he's always been there. Um, I think he made all four cuts. Obviously, one one was in contention. Um, we'll see what happens if he gets picked or not. I think on the European side, it's a little bit more set in stone. They they yeah. just kind of discarded those people and they said, you know what, you're not playing for us. Get out. And it is what it is there. And it's a good solid team that's had a good year. Rory has it. Despite going on now 10 years without a major, great year again for him. John Rahm won a major, was in contention in the British Open. Uh, Victor Hovland's had a nice year, has been in contention in pretty much all four of them this year. Sepp Straka has two wins and was also T2 at the British Open. They've got a lot of names this year, and they're going to put up a better fight than they did uh, at Whistling Straits two years ago. Um, also with USA, I think what's super interesting is Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas has been... Mr. Ryder Cup for the U.S. for the last three events. He's been pretty much the best Ryder Cup player in the world for the last, what, what would three events be, six six years now? Uh, however, he's been god freaking awful this year. He shot an 82 on Friday at the British Open. He hasn't made it. He didn't make the cut at the Rocket Mortgage Classic with my mom <laughs> in the stands in the middle of Detroit. Uh, Maybe the heat smog got to him from the uh, Canadian, Canadian fires. fires. Yeah, uh, he made he made one out of four cuts in the majors. He didn't. He missed uh, in his last five events. He's missed three cuts, which is unheard of for Justin Thomas. He's moved from like a top. I think he was 
fifth or sixth in the world going into this year. So he's not even in the top 20 right now. Uh, he's had just a god awful year, and it's not like he's been even close. Like I said, he shot ten over in one round at the British Open this year. Uh, I think he had a in another score of eighty in the U.S. Open this year. So he is an interesting one because he is. It is always a bit of the boys' club with who gets in. Sometimes with the captains' picks, uh, and you're looking at a guy who's been kind of a heart and soul of that team, and uh, from all accounts. Zach Johnson has kind of more or less said that Justin Thomas is a shoe in, but you look at guys like Keegan Bradley and Brian Harmon and guys that have had Wyndham Clark, obviously just got in uh, same with Scotty Scheffler, but some of these fringe names that have had wins on tour this year, uh, will they get in over someone who's played as poorly as Justin Thomas? I'm of the, of the kind of the side of the fence where I think Justin Thomas, I don't care that you've been great in past Ryder Cups. If the guy can't shoot an 80, he's not going to win any match play match against any of these players. So why does it matter if he can't even break 80 in some in a big event this year? Yeah, I mean, it's the age-old question. It's what, what have you do, or what are you doing for me now, not what have you done for me in the past? Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. What Do you know when they select the teams? That's something I've never – like, is, is there like a one-week – preface where they're like all right here we go we're just done months in advance we're we gonna see something in the next couple of weeks lining up rosters or yeah it's super weird because the like the first six are you qualify for it they're not captain's picks okay and the last six are captain's picks but they've only announced two of the six of the non-captain's picks and they're Wyndham Clark and Scotty Scheffler hmm. so those are the two that have qualified for points so far but I okay. think I think Brooks Kepka is going to be close with points. Like there's a couple of guys that are kind of shoo-ins. Um, one last thing on Royal Liverpool, my uh, winning score minus 13, no one else uh, over minus 10. But we mentioned on the podcast where we did the preview, Rory won at 16, Tiger won at minus 17. Uh, Cameron Smith won last year at almost minus 20. Uh, this course played pretty well, uh, held pretty well as far as the British um links golf style courses have had over the last couple of years um only one player over minus 10 i was pretty surprised i know the weather played a large role in that on especially on sunday when it was pouring um but it held kind of well for a british open so yeah i, uh, I don't moving, have too much more there yeah moving on to the we'll talk a little baseball since today was a big day in the baseball standing as far as the Tigers, they officially kind of sealed their fate on where their season is going. They're 12 games below 500, six and a half back of the uh, AL shit, as I call it. Um, so I, I don't know what I was expecting, uh, but you move Michael Lorenzen for, you want to give him the, his, the name of the, the prospect? Yeah, uh, to the Phillies for how you leave. Um, you leave. I, think he's, I didn't uh, want to butcher that. That's fine. I've, I've got it written down here. I mean, he's, I think from what I saw, he's second baseman. Uh, I'm not going to see him pretend like I'm some big baseball fan. So I'm, I'm fully <laughs> quoting whatever I've read on Twitter here. Apparently he fits what uh, Scott Harris is looking for. Uh, apparently he's kind of a low strikeout guy, kind of makes pitchers work, can play some defense. I don't know. I mean, you. I think you said it pretty well earlier is for a guy who was brought in to – for to give you three months of pitching tech to, to get a prospect back, it's a decent return. Yeah, for a guy who's going to walk into Philly and probably be their third starter um, for the next two months and then sign somewhat of a big deal after the big year he's had, I, I, it's sometimes like you, you fans are a little disappointed in what you actually get for that sometimes, but you do have to understand the value of that. This is just two months. 
potentially for a prospect that could be an everyday second baseman. So um, I didn't hate the return there. Uh, the bigger news, I think, was uh, Erod, Eduardo Rodriguez, who's kind of been the Tigers' ace this year, has had a great season when healthy, uh, declining his trade. Why did Alavilla put a no-move clause in and a guy? Well, well, first of all, it's so interesting to me because he has an option at the end of this year. Yep. Right. So he can choose to be a Detroit Tiger at the end of this year. He chooses to not go to the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are all intents and purposes the top five team in baseball, top six team in baseball, probably the third best team in the NL right now behind the Braves and maybe the. That might be it, honestly, maybe, but just behind the Braves. The Braves are by far the best team in baseball. Um, but then I think you kind of look at it goes like Rays, Rangers, Orioles. Yeah, they might as well be the second best team in the NL. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a little surprised. Does it and it, but it's also like he say say he just doesn't want to go to LA. I, I I've heard and I've read a little bit that it's family stuff. You know, he's had kind of he's taking leaves of absences to deal with some family issues in the past. Um, so you don't know what's going on there totally. Um, but I'm not even convinced he's going to stay in October or November or whenever free agency starts. So it just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. And I appreciate Scott Harris trying that, recognizing he has this option and he is an asset at this point. Yeah. So I mean, going, I'll, I'll kind of go back on the timeline. You say, why does Alavila negotiate something in this, <laughs> some kind of clause like this for an Eduardo Rodriguez? I've got absolutely no idea. Um, that's kind of like the last parting uh, fu from Al Avila to the to the to the organization. The other thing is, it wasn't just the Dodgers. I don't know if you saw, he had a ten team no trade clause list, so he had a third of the league that he would he would just veto or he could veto right away. Right. Um, with the LA thing, you're you're correct. Um, kind of with his contract, he does it. So it's not. It's kind of it, it's an opt out. It's so I mean, if he wants to, which he it, he his agent and himself would be stupid to not opt out after the year he's had because he can sign a much better deal when he when he when he hits the free market again. So he has his opt out. Um, it just it just kind of proves to me uh, he wants to kind of cash cash his check this off season, and he doesn't really care about winning. Yes, but the, the thing that I don't understand is this opt out would not have disappeared if you went to the Dodgers, right? You mean it's 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 American sports. You trade contracts. You don't trade players and then renegotiate contracts like you do in European soccer. So it's not like this is only available to him if he's on the Tigers. He could have done it with the Dodgers, and mm-hmm. he could have gotten a good shot to pr- play for a ring. So you're right. You read about some family issues. Who knows what that is? Um, I have two things. First of all, I think this is a little bit, um, I, I guess, like, congrats to Scott Harris for getting a deal done. But at the same time, screw Scott Harris for not even discussing with uh, the guy that you're planning on trading. Hey, man, is there somewhere you won't go? Mm-hmm. Hey, I know you have 10 teams on your no trade clauses. If I trade you to any of them, are you going to veto it? I think that's something that should have been done as a due diligence. Seems like it wasn't. It's a little disappointing. The, the other thing that I heard, which is kind of interesting, was last year when the Tigers were kind of withholding money from him, could this be his own parting FU of saying, I'm not going to let you get anything for me. I'll sit out here. I'll pitch a little bit. I'll have some fun, mm. and then I'll cash in in the offseason. Mm. Right. That's a good thought, actually, because it does kind of seem that way. 
you're not going to get anything from me and I'm not going to come back. And this is just going to be a wash. And we just wasted not only two years of your franchise, probably two years of my career and two years of my prime, to be honest. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things. We knew they'd be sellers. I don't really understand the take at this point. And I said, I, and this is going to sound hypocritical because about a month ago I said, why not? Why not just get an MLB caliber player on your roster? At this point, it's six and a half back with six and a half weeks in the season, seven weeks in the season, whatever it is. You're not going to the playoffs. Even like, who are you getting? You don't have, you have one of the, you're not only one of the worst teams in baseball, you have one of the t- probably top five worst farm systems in baseball. You don't have any assets to go get anybody that's going to make you a six and a half game better team and put you even in realistically actually in this fight. You don't have any assets. Go get assets. I know. And I understand the point of like, well, you got to At some point you got to cash in at some point you got like, but that's not Scott Harris's problem. That's the fact that this franchise was ran by incompetent people for seven years prior to Scott Harris. Have I loved what Scott Harris has done so far? Absolutely not. I hated the draft pick. I think he should have added some major league baseball talent like maybe a month or two, two ago. I think he should have signed a freaking third baseman. Uh, we went into the year with not an MLB ready third baseman. We knew that was going to be an issue. Nick Matone was not ready to be an everyday third baseman and he played us. So it wasn't like that was a huge surprise. So it's not like I'm like trying to defend Scott Harris here. I've been very critical of him. It's more so along the lines of you're just sometimes you got to wave the white flag and admit that like in order to get this thing up, eventually it's got to stay low. Like it's, it, it trying to win and get six games better, even if you do it, what is that to lose to the Braves or the Braves, sorry, they're an NL team, to lose to like the Orioles in the first round in four games? No, like I I don't see it. it you know how you turn around in in the MLB is, I mean, you look at the Rays who are, you look at the Astros, although the Astros are kind of a bad example because they also like to spend money, but the, we'll use the Rays. The Rays are some of the best drafting, the best prospects in baseball year in and year out. And they're not necessarily ever really a true World Series contender until this year. Um, But they're a consistent playoff team. Maybe not every single year either, but they're never bad. They never have a true rebuild. The Rays either have to be that or you have to start spending money in free agency if you actually want to see that thing turn around in one year, maybe two years, like the Texas Rangers have. I, I was just going to add, I mean, the Rays have also never lost a trade in the history of their career. I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of like the Bill Belichick of old, where if he called yeah. you and picked up the phone, it was just hang up. Don't listen to right. what they have to say because they know something you don't. Um, but yeah, the other thing you mentioned, kind of the, this isn't Scott Harris's fault. You're absolutely correct. I mean, the, the, I've always said this, especially within the NFL, just because the regimes change a little bit quicker there because you can kind of, rebuild a little quicker there with it designed so much for parody it's not scott harris's fault that you said for 10 years before that it was the wrong move after the wrong move after the wrong move and for them for people to start demanding that scott harris make some rash move to try and cut his own leg out from under him just so he can try and push for a chance to get swept in the in the first round that does you so much more harm than good right away i mean 
I remember last year in the offseason uh, with the Lions when they're coming off a 3-13-1 season and it's like, oh my God, it's year 17 and year a million of the rebuild and this sucks and people start kind of throwing around a bunch of stupid names. It's like, well, let's trade for this veteran. Let's trade for that guy. Let's go get up draft picks there. It's like, mm-hmm. stop. You need to build your base first. You need to yep. put yourself in a position where you have a realistic outlook that says i am here i take a step forward to here now i am ready to compete and now i am ready to start giving away pieces that before for a rebuilding team are needed but if i'm there and i am that one wide receiver i am that one second baseman that's when you start doing that you can't sit here and say oh well we've been trash for 10 years and i want the new shiny toy now that's not how you build a team that's exactly that's how you that's how you run into the 2018-2019 Pistons. You trade for Blake Griffin, thinking you're ready to compete. You miss out on Zion and John Morant. Not that they've amounted to much, but you miss out on them because your owner refuses to tank. He, he'd rather go throw T-shirts while getting swept by Giannis and say, oh, Andre Drummond, my boy, the, the walking 15-15. and 15. And then you trash the next four years of your franchise. Yeah. That's what happens when you're not prepared and you try and make a stupid move. Yeah, and I I think I don't even think it's that severe in baseball because baseball of any sport, like I said, the pocketbook can change your yep. team in a year more than any other sport. Uh, but that does, that, but that's, but that's not the point of like right now today. That wasn't what you were gonna do today. That happens in the winter meetings in December, not yep. now. You know, and I mean, again, we're talking about Chris Illich here. I mean, we've heard exactly. of the five, we've heard of the five dollar hot and ready. We've heard of the five fifty hot and ready. If, if God forbid he ever had to spend for a Tigers team to be competitive, it'd be the $10 hot rent. So not, <laughs> not really much to say there. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the Tigers for you. Um, um, so Want to get some college football? I know there's a quick topic there. We can move oh, on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so uh, schedule starting to come out. Michigan State, kind of the team we talk about a little more. Uh, as far as the big game in Michigan goes, it's going to be um, mid to late October. It's going to be another night game in East Lansing at Spartan Stadium. Uh, my first thoughts are like, why are we? Tr- this rivalry is already at kind of a point where it's like, just like, what's the verb I'm looking for? Just like hostile and just like not like it's in a unhealthy spot right now, and like I think that's just like a night game is just going to escalate that. I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of took this a different way. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be the the trailer trash people who, whether they're going to the game or not, who are going to want to start their fights, but that always happens. Yeah. I look at this as this has the potential to be just as amazing as the 2021 game was. Um, if not better, because <laughs> it is under the lights. Um and it's up to us. It's up to Michigan State to live up to that to their edge of their bargain because we know Michigan's going to walk into that game undefeated. We know yeah. they're good enough. And it's up to Michigan State to walk in with one or fewer losses. You, if if that's the case, you're walking in as a top twenty team. Now you you listen. You're shaking your head. I'm not saying it's a feasible option. They have they have. I think it's Iowa, Washington, and Minnesota on the road all before that. So yeah. I'm not saying they're going to do it. I'm saying if you want this game to be that. The if you go back to 2021, all of college football revolved around East Lansing for one weekend. It was amazing. Yeah, it was there. Big Noon was there. Barstool was there. You had 
half of the state was in there for was in East Lansing visiting their friends and everything. That was that was one of that's what I'm saying. All of college football revolved around East Lansing. And if you want that to happen again, go be five and one heading into that game. If not better, why not go why not be six and no? Make my day. I mean, it's like a why not, but like I think here we can get in. We'll do a preview probably Absolutely. in two or three weeks. But uh, I don't really think this is more than anything more than a six and six or seven and five team. Hey, listen, our boy Mel Tucker claims that this is the most talent he's had on campus. Now, uh, I I think the defense will be better, but it's hard to be worse than what they was. Yeah. So that is- well, I was well, the, the thing I, I was going to kind of make fun of him a little bit was, you, I mean, you look back at the 2011 team is like as, as many games as they won outside of Kenny Walker. That wasn't a really talented team. The offensive line was yeah. not great. I mean, we saw what Peyton Thorne turned out to be without Kenny Walker. You had Jaden Reed and what's Keon, I mean, Keon Coleman ran around and hung out, mm-hmm. but he was still, I think he was a fresh, a true freshman. No, the other guy was, was, was better. Mosley? No. No. Oh, uh, Jaden Reed? No, Jaden Reed. There was another guy. Oh, Jalen Naylor. Speedy Jaylen Naylor. Naylor. Yeah, yeah. He, I was going to say he went to the NFL the next year. Yeah, I mean, again, you, you add a little bit of talent on offense, but that defense was atrocious. As oh, we God. Out. But Secondary. Like I, said, I, 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 I was just going to say Mel Tucker might claim this is the most talent he's had. But just because there was an 11 win, 11 win football team in year two doesn't mean there was an 11 win talent level team mm-hmm. in year two. So he could be right. I'm just saying. Yeah. I also do think there's a level of like as bad as last season was and forgettable. Like you had the suspensions. You had two of your better defensive players get essentially season ending injuries in the non-conference yep. games. Like they were, they were screwed. And every team does to some extent, but they were. Like it is somewhat true that that did happen to that that team. So yeah. no, I'm yeah, I'm I I I looked at it a different way. You're right. This is one of those. Um, are you asking? I mean, there's alcohol sales now. Are you asking for some some issues off the field between fans? Maybe I didn't really want to go that route. I just kind of wanted to say that that has to be the, that has the potential to be the game of college football. Yeah, for that week. And actually, I guess. The issue is because Fox is Fox, I'm sure if we're good enough, they'll say, you know what, NBC, you can have OSU and Penn State, and we're going to take Michigan, Michigan State, and they'll slap us down at noon to screw Fox. But yeah, uh, I just, I just kind of think the, uh, just like the state of the rivalry the last two years has just gotten a little, I think it's just a combination of Michigan getting too big for their britches and, a Michigan State winning that game two years ago, and B, like us not being so good, has kind of just made us a little like annoyed. Yeah, and I yeah, think I it's mean, it's a combination of both both sides. I could see it. Um, uh, again, I don't really want to do too much about this just because. Yeah, I, this is like a. I a, I, I prefer I prefer yeah. talking about on field stuff a little bit more than kind of off field drama issues, just because that's that that. But that's me. Um. Maybe if there's something, if there's a, if there's another tunnel incident, maybe we'll, maybe we'll be talking about it. The, 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 the Tuesday. No, we have two different ones, so that won't be a problem. Oh, that's <laughs> no what? Yeah, we do. Don't they go in? Oh no, they don't. They got the one big one. Yeah, that's right. Never mind. Hey, you Albion recreational Spartan fan. Dude, I've been to like three games. Sorry. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, moving on to the NFL. Um, 
Where do, I know we had a couple of things. We want to save the running backs for last, just because I think that's kind of the best discussion. Yeah, uh, I, let's go Lions, some Lions talk. Okay. Uh, Jameson Williams having kind of more off the field issues. Uh, I believe it was yesterday. Uh, a video came out, messages came out uh, of him hitting another corner. An undrafted rookie, for that matter. Uh, I think he's a bit of a head case. I think that's easy to say at this point. Uh, I've been extremely frustrated and kind of on the on the wagon of he's a bust, and he has to do something dramatically quickly after these six games are up to prove that he's not. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I kind of had is, he, I mean, I, I, I kind of said he's flirting with that line massively, the bust line. Um, I, I mean, we all know that he didn't ask to tear his ACL and he didn't ask the mm-hmm. Lions to, to trade up to 12 to take him. So I guess maybe a little bit is some frustration of from the coaching staff of how long it took them to integrate him at the end of last mm-hmm. season. I never really understood why. Uh, I mean, he. I, I, I'm pretty sure it came out that he was fully healthy before the Thanksgiving game, and they just kind of sat there for another four weeks after that and said, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, don't worry about it, man. You can go out there for a couple snaps a game, have some fun with your friends. <laughs> and and then, obviously, the suspension, whether it's stupid or not, I think it is stupid. He should, still should have known better about the rule. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate. I wish the NFL could retroactively go back and maybe make it a two-game suspension, but they, they won't. Um, yeah, the skirmish at practice, I don't think it's that big of a deal, to be honest. I mean, I feel like you have that, I feel like you have people, tensions flare up at practice all the time. And if cameras weren't there, I don't think anybody would have said anything. If it was a regular week for practice session, I don't think people would have said anything. But for me, the biggest thing that it shows is like, why are you stupid? Why are you trying to throw your fist at another man wearing a helmet? Like, what are, <laughs> what can you win? What can you win? Throwing your bare arm at a, at a, at a, I don't, what are those things? They're not metal helmets. What are they? Some kind of carbon fiber, plastic bullshittery. What can you win throwing your bare hand at that? that yeah, I don't know because I don't know carbon topic. fiber, plastic bullshittery it really is. <laughs> uh, the other Lions thing I wanted to talk about was Jameer Gibbs. Uh, a lot of reports coming out that they're using him a lot at, as not only just a pass catch catching option out of the backfield, but also uh, in the slot and getting some receiver spots. Uh, I watched or watched, listened, however you do your podcasting these days uh, uh, of an interview of Dan Campbell. And he kind of reiterated that uh, and that he is going to play a lot in the slot and that he does. He, he was drafted high to kind of be this dynamic wide receiver. Is he going to be the next Debo? lining up in the slot, getting handoffs. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I know the notes you made have Brad Holmes master class for changing his <laughs> positions, so he doesn't seem like as much of a reach at, as he would <laughs> if you were a running back. Do you think that's a, a thought going on in the Lions? Uh, no. office? <laughs> I mean, that particular part, no. I always did think that him getting drafted was very, very beneficial because – he is the best path pass catching back to come out of school since McCaffrey. Um, I always did think that he was drafted to play a little bit of slot. I'm not surprised that they're sitting here and he's sitting here saying, Oh yeah, I'm playing more wide receiver now than I ever did at Bam. I'm not surprised about that. I just kind of said the, the Brad Holmes thing is a joke to try and kind of add some humor to the show. But I, I do think with Jameson suspended, they kind of said, you know what? Maybe we get a guy that can do two different things. 
We get a guy that can help fill the void of our, our lack of receiver for six weeks. They went and got Denzel Mims as well to help with that. So, I don't know. With Gibbs specifically, I'm very excited to see what he, did, what he can do. Again, I've never been against the player. I know in this day and age, if you criticize something, people instantly assume the worst. I've never been against the player. He's a fantastic player. He's just He's a running back. You do not take them in the top 12 or the 15 or the 18 or the 21. You take a running back when you are one step away and you say, you know what? I need that explosive player. Let's take a running back at 27. That's when you take running backs. But yeah. that's that, that's kind of just me continuing my tangent from earlier about the make sure you get yourself a base before trying to go for the shiny fireworks. Um, I mean, we're talking about running backs already. We might as well stick with them. Um, kind of the state of the running backs uh, position as a whole in the NFL also kind of came up and flared up over the last week. Um, you had three running backs who were all pretty pretty good running backs get franchise tagged, um, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, and Josh Jacobs. But at the end of the day, Saquon Barkley was able to negotiate a contract. And it's kind of a funny one because I want to say all that he added to that franchise tag number was some incentive where I think he can make 800000 or a million more than the franchise tag number would have been. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know what changed there. I guess kudos to you. Let him showcase something. It's still not the long-term deal that the running backs are fighting for and that they probably deserve. Um, Tony Pollard, all he did was accept his tender. And you got Josh Jacobs, who still hasn't accepted it, who's sitting there, has not reported to camp. Um, we'll see what happens there. He said he's not, he is okay with pulling Le'Veon Bell and skipping an entire season. I don't think that's a good idea. The NFL moves quickly, but you might mm-hmm. find yourself not only without a paycheck this year, but without a paycheck the following year because the NFL moves fast. They will replace you. And it's not good. It's just, it's tough what's going on with running backs. Um, Kind of turn it over to you for a bit. Yeah, it's an interesting one because it's like one of those things where you do feel like, I feel bad and there's a part of me that's like, why aren't these guys, like, these are just like, there's only a a certain number of them and they're really good and they really make a difference when it comes down to it. But I also, at the same time, there's numbers and there's years of football back behind it that's not necessarily the case and that those guys don't need to be getting paid and the NFL moves faster than any other league and that the running back position as far as running a business just isn't that valuable and no matter it's just so unfortunate to see such a recognizable position with like its top players at that position being also very recognizable to then not see them get paid like the next most or probably the only more recognizable position in quarterback and nowhere close to that doesn't necessarily add up to you in general. Yeah. But... I mean, Go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, you bring the getting paid thing. I had a pretty cool stat. Marquez Valdez Scantling is going to make more money this season than either Saquon Barkley or Tony Pollard. Marquez right. Valdez Scantling is a borderline wide receiver three in the National Football League. And we're talking about two guys or one guy who is for sure a top five to six running back, another guy who's probably pushing top 10. We're, but at the worst case, we're talking about two of the better running backs in the league who are getting paid less than wide receiver 65 in football. It's outrageous. Right. And I, I just wonder where the algorithm as far as one season goes, like Saquon Barkley's is a one year, $11 million deal that like, or is the chance of him getting hurt in one season really that high that it's, he's that far off from, like you said, wide receiver 65 in the league. Like, I don't like, 
that math just doesn't add up. Maybe if we're talking about trying to give running backs three, four, five year deals, like sometimes these receivers and uh, definitely quarterbacks get, we'll get into one of the ones that was just got. Uh, yeah, I definitely see that math a little more. But as far as the one year deals, like, I don't know, does that algorithm really add up math wise? I mean, I, I just think I, I do. I think I have a way that would be able to fix this. And I think it's a brilliant idea. I, I think I've probably told you about it before. I think it's a brilliant way to fix it. It's just I'm not sure how it would legally work with a CBA and with other position groups. Um, kind of I would just say if you're a running back and you play your first two seasons at or near an all pro level, such as one name Jonathan Taylor did for his first two seasons, you are allowed to opt out of your rookie contract and you can negotiate a new one for years two, three, four, or for years three, four, five. That gives you a real second contract before the wear and tears hit your body. God forbid it gives you the chance at a third contract if you're still good enough for years six, seven, and eight or whatever an NFL team might want to do for you. I think that is probably, and again, that's why I, I emphasize that you have to play at a certain level. You can't have the Michael Carters of the world say, you know what, I'm going to opt out because that's not realistic. You have not yeah. heard that, right? I'm talking about the guys who show up, explode on the scene, have two great years. Those guys should be able to opt out and say, I'm going to go get paid what I deserve. Yeah. That legally, that would the, the NFL owners would never agree to that. And okay, so, in, the yeah. NFL, in the NFL PA, I mean – Position groups would say every single position group would say, "Well, why can't I do that? Why why am I not entitled to getting my money two years sooner?" Yeah, so just, that's kind. Of, no, go ahead. I was gonna say, I, I to me it makes so much sense logically, but legally it doesn't make sense. I mean, right. That's kind of where I was gonna come in, and it's like you do feel bad, and you want you want to see like like kind of something like along the lines you mentioned, but like they have the chance for that to be negotiated at the last CBA. Right. Like, yeah, unfortunately, you don't have as good, you don't have the leverage or the power or the lawyers or whoever is negotiating these CBAs or the whatever the players union, whoever they have running the negotiations for them. You didn't have the power to do that. And unless you don't get the power or the leverage to that, you won't do that. It's a simple it's kind of as simple as that. But I do agree that the only way to change that is to have something worked in into a CBA, something formalized that allows for more leverage for running backs getting their second contract sooner. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I mentioned Justin, just, Justin, Jonathan Taylor earlier. Um, he has formally requested a trade from the Colts. Um, he's kind of entering year four. He was a second round pick. So this is the last year of his rookie deal. Um, Jim Misray is kind of known for not really liking or not, not saying not really liking, but not really caring about the overall health of his players signed Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. Mm. Um, I guess I will give him credit. He didn't make Andrew Luck pay back the money after we retired in the preseason. But if you were really taken care of, and if you believed in that and Andrew Luck and you gave him an offensive line, he probably wouldn't have retired in the right. preseason. Then again, he is also a weird dude. So maybe, um, yeah, I, I just, we'll see what happens with Jonathan Taylor. There's rumors of some interesting for sort of some teams with actual interest. How much of that I buy, I don't really understand because if you're really going to go trade away pretty, pretty significant draft capital, because Jonathan Taylor's not going to come cheap, followed by going to give him a contract that is at or that is near the Christian McCaffrey levels of $15 million a year. How many teams are lining up to do that? I'm not really sure. So I'm not no. sure what's going to happen. So we'll see. 
but this is certainly kind of uh, just a very gloomy doomsday scenario when you look around at the state of the running backs market. Yeah, it's just like a, it's just like to me, it's just like an another level of like just algorithms getting into football. And that maybe 20 years ago, when like we were just kind of meathead football fans a little more without the computer making a lot of the decisions as far as rosters go, you would have saw like a Barry Sanders making more money than an offensive lineman. And I think we like as we've gotten more analytical and have got time goes on, you do you just learn what's more important. Yep. And that's just the next iteration of that. Yeah, no, and. It'll be interesting to see um, with players coming up in the future how many of them even want to play running back. Right. I mean, I said yeah. joking. I said jokingly about Jameer Gibbs earlier. If I'm Jameer Gibbs, keep me in the slot, coach. I'm not right. trying to run out of the backfield. Right. I'll catch 70 passes a season. I won't run it 200 times a season, and I'll extend my career by five years. Not to mention, probably make 80 million dollars extra if I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's incredibly interesting to see what happens in the next five, 10 years as you kind of maybe have the the next generation of running backs who are the stars and who are maybe a little bit more aware of what's waiting for them on the other side. And they maybe they make some different calls. Maybe they say, you know what? I'm not going to play your game. I want to be a wide receiver. Or they do some other stuff to try and maybe take back the leverage or do something to kind of get back a little bit of the power in this struggle. It will, it'll be interesting to see. That That's kind of what I can say. Yeah, and on to kind of just another a position that's worked the kind of the inverse way is the quarterback position. Justin Herbert recently got five years, two hundred and sixty-two and a half million dollars. That's fifty-two point five per year. Uh, two hundred eighteen of that is guaranteed. Uh, he'll be a. I some interesting stats from this contract again. The amount of guaranteed money, two hundred eighteen million guaranteed. Uh, he'll be a seventy-one million dollar cap hit to the chargers in 2028 in the final year of that contract i mean the salary cap will probably be 600 million by then it might look like yeah that's true remember remember three years ago when patrick mahomes got his extension and everyone said oh my god the chief's downfall's coming and now we're looking around and he's like a 40 million dollar cap hit and there's 10 quarterbacks making more than him <laughs> yeah, that's a pat. That's that's a Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes masterclass. Those guys are going to run. They're going to be the Patriots. No one's stopping these people. Yeah, it's a. It's an. It, he, his contract is so interesting to me because the. I don't want to like knock on wood. He's going to get all that. He's going to end up getting it all guaranteed just because he's the greatest like athlete in sports right now. Uh, but on its face, that's such a bargain because of the $40 million cap hit. It was so much non-guaranteed money. But the catch is he's going – all that is going to be guaranteed when he plays that out and he does actually get that half a billion dollars or whatever it is. Um, but instead, it looks so team-friendly now because it is – so much of that is not – it's weird. You just don't have a player that you can do that to. I think like it's literally there can only be one or two guys in the sport at a time that you can give those kind of deals to and be him be confident enough that he's going to get that 500 million, even though half of it is guaranteed, not even half of it is guaranteed. Um, but the team can still build around him. So to speak like the chiefs are going to be able to. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the other thing with the kind of confidence is let's say he gets hurt. Like, I mean, if, if Trevor Lawrence was to go and tear his ACL next year and have have maybe have another injury, can you confidently give him four hundred million dollars? Probably not. No. I mean, with Mahomes, 
what what they did, but I mean, was it four straight AFC title games before that contract came? And I think they kind of were in a position where they said, you know what? Even if there's a bad year, we'll gladly eat it because we know the next six years are going to be great again because you're here. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's sensational. To, to Herbert, I think uh, I was telling you kind of in the in the pre in the pre talks, his deal does kind of remind me of Matthew Stafford's deal five six years ago, where it's like we all know he's not the best quarterback in football. But because of the way the business works, because of the way the market works, he has to become the highest paid one. He's the third quarterback in the last three months to be called the highest paid quarterback in football following Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. Mm. And it's just kind of how it goes. I mean, he's going to hold that title for three months and then Joe Burrow is going to sign his extension. Yep. And then it'll reset itself. And in two years, who knows? Maybe everyone's going to say, you know what? That Herbert contract looks like a great steal. He'd have to win a playoff game to do so, which we don't yeah. know if he's capable of doing because he's fraud. But an AAV over fifty, just like you said, just looks absurd right now. Yep, it's just, and I know it's just a numbers game, and it's only going to go up. The value of everything goes up, and just naturally. <laughs> um, but see, it's just weird to see that because fifty was kind of that Mendoza line of like. Oh, nobody's gonna go above fifty. No player's ever gonna be above fifty. And now here we are seeing a guy getting an almost guaranteed contract. Uh, well, not even fifty, fifty-two and a half, well over fifty. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it makes and it's and it's it's a good point that it's like the market says that you have to be the next highest paid. Uh, and it, like Jalen Hurts is looked at is now looked at as a steal. Now Jalen Hurts has won some playoff games, but. It's just funny how quickly that turns now, especially at a high-value position like quarterback. But I think that's kind of the topics I had for today. Um, have you got anything else? I'm, I'm trying to think if there's – I I don't see any anything that we've missed. Uh, no, that's, that's kind of all I got. Uh, I'm going to hit it really hard this weekend. That, um, I'm, dude, I'm excited. We're, we're going to go take that trophy and then we're going to drink from it. It's going to be amazing. Yep. And we're going to tell you guys all about it on next week's pod. So see you guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We love you. Go green.